Ownership is all about building on your own success with your own self-discovery. Your life is your business. Take ownership of it. Together, let's unlock the next level of your life. Ownership is here to help lead you without all the noise and distractions. There are hot topics and lessons in life to keep you entertained, gain value, and even some enlightenment all along the way. Ownership is brought to you by Allison Andrews Cantor, a certified coach and business leader with over 20 years of experience under her belt. A battle-born and proven successful entrepreneur, she is on a mission to help individuals take back ownership of their personal life. So are you ready? Let's go. Here she is, your host, Allison Andrews Cantor. Okay, we are back. I cannot believe we're at episode 11. Double ones. One, one for the number one double podcast. Di- double digits now. <laughs> we're in double digits. Double digits. <gasps> I know. This is huge. We're in it. We're like really in it. Mm-hmm. The ownership podcast. Well, Mr. Jay Brown, my producer, my work husband. Yes, work husband. We're there. Yeah, we're gonna we get are. the sweatshirts. We're doing it. I'm waiting for my sweatshirt too. I got you know I did I did get my ownership swag. I got my cute little ownership t shirt. Oh, yeah. It's cute. I got a hat. Yep. I got the the hoodie. I live I live in that hoodie actually. I really do love that hoodie. <laughs> do I do love a good hoodie. I am the one person that wears a legitimate hoodie with the hood always on. If it is a hoodie, I like the full look the, of the, the hoodie. The full the full homeless person look the the, the hood all the way over like you don't want to be bothered with or anything like I that. I mean, I am such an extremist. I'm either you know to the nines, <laughs> full on nines, you know, bringing the full fashion game, or I'm straight up homeless. You, you know, There's no in between <laughs> with Allison. It's like full makeup, absolutely not a stitch of makeup, full hair. Hair, didn't touch my hair for two days. Um, full on fashion clothes and full on non-labeled black sweatshirt that I've probably had for 40 years. That's the most comfy thing. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, you know and that's funny. I saw you in high end looking fantastic. Last night we, we, we were at a work event that I had to, I was her videographer. You had your red bottoms on. You were looking to the nines. This morning when I walked in and brought all the gear to do the podcast, you had your yoga pants on and your ownership sweatshirt on. I was going to say, what sweatshirt was I wearing? See? <laughs> yeah. You, a ponytail. You look like you had just woken up you, and, you know. Basically did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I just wake up and start running. There you go. There you go. I don't waste the time on the aesthetics. I just got to get into it. I get, I take ownership and we go. All right. Double sticks. Number 11. I what know. do we got? One, one. Here we go. Okay. So. I talk about this in the book and it's, it's a heavy topic, um, but it's a really, really important one. And, uh, I was actually last night at our event. And again, I kind of went a little rogue on our programming, these, this chunk of our podcast that we do. We, when we just, so you go for our listeners and our viewers out there, when we do the podcast, we do usually about four or five, usually four in one sitting. That's why my outfit is always the same for like the next four episodes. I'm just in one beautiful look that never ends. And then the next, you know, four come out and I look different. But, uh, last night at the event, uh, those who know me well, and I'm very candid with some of the experiences I've gone through, obviously I write about it too in the book, know that I had a really hard time before I had my first child. I had multiple miscarriages. I actually had a total of 10, which is insane. Um, 
And uh, no, excuse me, total of nine. I apologize. I added one there. Uh, total of no, now I've lost count. I need to go look at the book. Oh my gosh. Um, I have three kids and I've been pregnant 11 times. Wow. Because Bella's 11. Bradford was number 10. Yeah, baby number nine was a big deal. Because well, that that's my spirit baby. And we actually saw that baby. That was a big Bentley. deal. And then Bentley was my, my fifth baby. Oh. Yeah, they, I actually know their numbers. So yeah. Um, so I've been pregnant 11 times. And I have three kids. So eight miscarriages. Wow. Yeah. I had to think about that for a minute. See how our brain, we just kind of, we just wipe things out, but I know it by number because the numbers are what, you know, burn into my soul and my heart. Everybody has their way of how they remember things. Mine's the numbers. But anyway, so last night, um, one of my, my team members had a little bit of a scare that they, um, they thought they might've had a miscarriage and it turned out that, um, you know, it, it wasn't that. And then another a topic came up within the team from another team member of reflecting on when she had hers. And the conversation kind of went in that direction of what it's like and the fear around having miscarriages after you've had them. And the reason why is another team member is, is recently pregnant, but she has experienced one miscarriage and this pregnancy has this looming fear right now. Cause it's in its beginning stages of, Oh my gosh, I don't want that to happen again. And it's incredible. The weight that women have to carry to not only avoid getting pregnant, if that's a choice at that stage in your life, but then getting pregnant. And then that's not a surefire win either, because we know that one in three women will have a miscarriage. And that is just a really hard statistic to wrap your head around. And it's a really traumatic event. And it can sometimes be more traumatizing than others, but I don't like that because trauma is subjective and trauma is trauma. There's not a scale to trauma, but it can be more impactful, let's say. The longer the pregnancy goes and the more developed the baby gets and the more comfortable you become as a pregnant expecting mother and get used to that identity and that body and that connection with another human inside you, the longer the time goes in that dance and getting comfortable with the dance, the harder it is of a loss, right? And then other times, as soon as you find out, you're not. And it's like emotional whiplash, bing, bang. Um, without maybe physical symptoms of a pregnancy. But one of the most interesting things that came up in our discussion yesterday around all this with women who have had them, especially myself and a teammate and then somebody who's never had children yet, but thought maybe they were, and it turns out they weren't, is there's this moment, depending on where you're at, where you go from that sheer excitement of, oh my gosh, like pure magic. And it really is. It's pure magic that this even happens and we're even capable of it. Of, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. 
And if you've ever had that, you know that moment. You know what I'm talking about. It is this insanely energetic cocktail of the unknown, excitement, overwhelming love, fear. Um, a million things come flooding through, a million and one, and all at the same time. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Um, how am I going to tell my partner? Oh my gosh, we've been trying for so long. This is thrilling. Or, oh my gosh, we weren't. And this is thrilling. Or, oh my gosh, we weren't. And here we are. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Is this something we're going to do? I mean, it doesn't matter your situation. In that one moment, we all as women, if you have been in that moment, know what I'm saying. You get flooded. And then from there, it goes into whatever it's going to go. And you start to, as we all do, adjust and re- program your life and your mind and your heart around this new reality of becoming this mother or being this mother. You are now a mother. You are a mother. You have child. You are with child. Your body is responding as a mother. And there are physical changes that happen immediately, especially if you've had kids before. As soon as you're pregnant again, the body goes, oh, we're doing this again. Okay, great. Instant pregnant. Here you go. You're going to look two months, you know, and it's, you know, three weeks. And muscle memory. And we were talking last night how when you experience a miscarriage, and if you have, I am deeply sorry, and my heart is with you. And I know what that feels like. But there's this really weird phase that people don't talk about. And it's where whatever happened in the miscarriage, depending on how far along you had to have a DNC, which I've also experienced, which I think is absolutely barbaric. And I write about it in the book in some ways, mentally and emotionally, or it resolves itself on its own and you're at home, you're wherever you are and it's handled in that respect. But your body almost gets, and I came up with this last night and I thought it was a really interesting way to explain it for, especially for maybe male listeners that don't understand this is once the body is no longer the vessel for that child, the body almost goes into like a pause mode, like a buffering mode. And it doesn't know what to do for a minute. It's like the body cannot catch up, right? It doesn't know what to do. Am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? Am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? And every woman is different. Every body chemistry is different, but it is literally purgatory. For some women, the craving they had while with child stays there, but there's no child. For others, their body looks like it's in that process of growing that life that's no longer in there. And it is an awful place to be. Awful. Let alone the fact that you're not with this child anymore. But that space of emotionally, mentally, even physically, like I was saying, being with child without having that physical, tangible child in you is, is the worst part of all of it. And it's really hard to navigate when you're in it. And it's really dark and it's really awful. And being able to navigate that, take ownership of that, find comfort in it is, is extremely challenging. But you're not alone. And there's a lot of people that have experienced that. And the fear and the loss, you can't, you can't explain it and it doesn't matter the time frame. 
And why even talk about this and bring this up and kind of have this be a podcast episode with maybe only half our listeners maybe being female. I think we have more of a female audience, but even then isolating that men don't understand is, is still very relevant because we want to be supportive partners. Uh, men, you come from women, right? You might have a sister. You might have a cousin, your girlfriend, your wife. This, You as men need to understand that if one in three women are experiencing this, if, you're, if you have three sisters, guess what? One of your adult sisters in her lifetime might experience this. And just being cognizant and aware of it. And it's not just the, the physical loss of that, that spirit being the idea, really, it's the idea, especially for men that aren't physically engaged, they're not feeling things, you know, if they're a first time dad, they don't know what it's like to hold that baby and have that bonding yet. It's kind of theory, right? It's like a theory thing. They don't understand and nor should you. How could you even explain this? It's pure, pure magic, pure, pure magic. But... With that being said, with that being said, it's really important as that supportive male energy to know that this is something that can play a significant role in the mental well-being, the physical and the emotional well-being of the women around you and that it's happening more than we talk about. And I don't think it always needs to be something that needs to be broadcast. It could be it, it it's everybody to their own, it's private. But I think it's something that when people are afraid to share that they're pregnant because of this loss. I don't know if we need to be that way. I think we can all just be supportive and aware, but to each their own. But I don't think there should be shame or fear or isolation around this. I think it should be something where there is that educational component to everyone to be aware and things to consider that it go way beyond the actual physical loss of that being that could have been but to what the effects are on a woman's mental and wellness space from going through that. Um, many women have postpartum depression after a miscarriage. That's a total mind fuck. That is brutal. And then to get slapped down with that spiral, oof, brutal. It's like a double loss, loss of self, loss of baby. Brutal. And it's biochemistry. It's out of control. We can't control this stuff. We can't control our hormones. Trust me, if we could, we all would. We all would, trust me. Um, but I wanted to bring this up and have this conversation because, A, I'm not scared to talk about things that maybe others are. I'm biased. I'm a woman. But I myself have gone through this. And I've experienced all different levels from where I have tried and always was successful at getting pregnant, but the babies didn't want to stay. And they just eliminated themselves on their own without any intervention. I've gone where my ex-husband and myself, we did for baby number four. After losing three, I got me, my personality got very upset and needed answers and I immediately went to the medical professionals and I said, test him, test me. What is our problem? What is our problem? I'm going to fix it. 
tell me what the problem is. I'm going to fix it. Nothing was wrong with us. We had no medical reason why we could not have a healthy pregnancy. We always got pregnant. Just what it was was what it was. So we thought, okay, well, for number four, let's try IUI, which is a lower level of IVF where you actually can still have interactions together without, you know, going outside of the body, but you just get pumped up with some extra hormonal support and then you... You inject yourself every day and then you hit with one big injection and it gives you multiple chances of getting pregnant and also multiple chances of having twins, triplets, what have you. I did it, got pregnant, of course, because I always got pregnant. And that baby didn't keep, even with the extra boost of hormonal support. Now I was really pissed, you know. And the funny part was, and I write more in depth of all these stories in the book and you you can read them there if this resonates with you. But the funny part was then, I was like, we're not meant to be parents. I need to go blow off steam. Sex isn't fun anymore. It's very much work. We need to reconnect. Let's go to Vegas for a weekend. And then on the hills of that, we came home for like two days and then we flew to New York for a week. And my first baby that I actually had born from my womb into my hands, full life, full cycle, was number five. And it was Bentley. And she was basically conceived in Vegas you know, up against the floor to ceiling windows of the wind, looking out the strip, having a wild night where we just three sheets to the wind and gave it up and just had fun and enjoyed each other and weren't trying to actually make a baby and made a baby that came and stuck, you know? Um, but I would say the, the hardest one out of all of them was baby nine. And, uh, I think about baby nine too. And, it's nine. That's its name. It's nine. I don't know what else to call because I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl at that point. But um, that one was pretty brutal because we were actually going in to go find out its gender. And we, we actually made the decision not to take Bentley, uh, to leave her in her little preschool class. And my ex-husband and myself were going to go And we decided that we weren't going to do any gender reveal or anything like that. And we were going to um, go to one of our favorite restaurants down by where we would, because we do, I'm into home births. So we would go to just a ultrasound standalone building to do this. And there's one of my favorite restaurants there. And we were going (laughs) to take a photo of one of my favorite burritos with our new baby burrito. That was going to be our announcement. We had this whole thing planned. You know, we talked about it the whole way there. We, you know, of course we hope to see a walnut. We would love to be, have a boy. We already had the girl and, you know, they put the, you know, the lube or whatever you want to call it, that jelly on your belly, which is just disgusting. Sounds awful coming out, freezing cold. It's just weird. They hook you up, you're looking and, you know, they're looking and, and you're waiting and you're anxiously. And if you've had a baby and you've been there before, you know, immediately the first thing is you start hearing noise. <laughs> there's stuff, there's energy. There's, there's some type of small movement, but there's movements. It's, it's, a, it's literally a universe in there. It's a universe. So there's life, there's things happening. It's magic. There's things swirling around. There's noise. There's, there's life, there's energy and it's quiet. It's real quiet. It's real still. It's like being out on a, a glassy, miry lake. That's not what it should look like. It should be like the ocean. <laughs> and um, the worst thing is then I saw my baby. I saw nine. And it was the saddest image I've ever seen in my life. It's like burned like a, like a branding on my brain. And the baby was in like fetal position as babies are in the womb. But there was something about it that just like 
ripped my heart out. All I wanted, and I was telling um, my team about this last night because this was the thing that came up last night when we were talking about miscarriages and I really spent some time with nine. And I think it's because I've done a lot of healing that now I can actually go there again and we can talk about it and it's somewhat cathartic and it's nice to verbalize these things when we've gone through them sometimes. If if it does that for you, I hope it does. If not, you maybe I hope you get there. I pray you get there. But um, all I wanted to do when that image of nine was on the screen is I just wanted to hold that baby. It was so rough. Like it's, and I'm, and it's sad and you're going to hear me cry and I'm okay. It's okay. I want you to know it's okay. And it's okay to cry. I tell my kids all the time. It's okay to cry. It's okay. We're real. That's what we're supposed to do. But all I wanted to do was hold that baby. And I was so sad because I couldn't help that baby. I wanted to hold it and tell it it was okay. And it's okay. And you, you had your purpose and you did what you were supposed to do. And you were on your soul's journey and your soul wasn't ready to come completely yet. It needed to go back and do more work wherever it needed to go. And I got it. And, you know, thanks for letting me, you know, be your vessel for, you know, three months. And, you know, but I just wanted to hold it and just, comfort it. That's what I wanted to do. And that you mean that's so mommy, right? That's such female energy. We're, we're meant to nurture. Like that's just innate, but always, I still, I, in my mind, I can see that image and I just want to grab that baby. And it, and it hurts, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's something you can't even explain until you live through it. But I, I do deeply, deeply believe that these souls pick us. They know when they need to come. They know what they're doing. And sometimes that's all they needed was just that moment. And it's not for us to know. We don't need to have all the answers. We don't need to know the why. And if they're meant for you, I promise you, I swear on my life and on God's name, they will come to you. They will find a way. And I mean... God bless me and my little body for going through everything it has because then you have my number 11, which is also very interesting that this is this episode. My number 11, Baby Bell, was a baby that I did everything that I knew in the medical world you could do not to have babies because of my stage in the game. And that soul found a way to say, basically, F science, I'm coming to you. And found a way to come to me and we are complete. My heart, my house is complete. And I knew I would always have three. I'm just old school and thought that ship had sailed because I was not in a marriage. And I, you know, that's just my perspective. But that baby and that soul found a way to still come to me. So, you know, this topic is 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 heavy. And I I have found my way of making peace with those experiences that I went through as a vessel for life, as a woman, as a mother. But, you know, it's interesting. My ex-husband, when we had talks about what I was going through and what I was experiencing, his perspective too, and how a shared experience can be so diverse and so different depending on the vantage point. But at the end of the day, it's, it is still a shared experience and, um, loss is loss and human beings need human beings. And we know what that feels like to have those relationships and connections and the opportunity to be a parent to 
this beautiful soul that it took two to create. And it is complete magic. It is the most incredible thing two people can do in a state of love is take that love and combine it and come from it this other expression of their love and of those two individuals in one. It is wild. It is literally magic and it's really powerful, but with great power comes sometimes great sorrow and it's heavy stuff, but all the good stuff is that way. If it wasn't so significant, if it wasn't so powerful, if it wasn't such a blessing, if it wasn't so magical, if it wasn't so immense, it wouldn't be that significant and it wouldn't have what comes with all amazingly powerful things is sometimes that opposite that can happen too. But if you can navigate it and dance with it and find your peace in it, everybody's different for me. I believe that these souls know what they're doing. They know when to come and they will always come to you when they're ready and meant to. And there's a reason. There's always a reason. You just have to trust and let go of that control and be open to whatever it is and know that you can do hard things and you can cry. But Jay, I, I'm watching you. You've been muted this whole time because you're sniffling. You got the box of tissues. I can't even look at you on this one because you're, it's hard. This is a hard one, you know, from a male listener, a friend. I mean, uh, what it, it, do you have to say on it's this? It's hard for me. And yes, uh, there are a couple moments you've brought me to tears, and I, I think it is because of what you've said. To, uh, what what I want to lose my shit right now. Um, when I heard Ryan's heartbeat for the very first time, it scared the shit out of me. But it also brought across this sense of, oh my god. I am now responsible for this thing that is now growing inside of my ex-wife. The magnitude. There's it nothing was, bigger. It, it was huge. And to hear, and I, I, I can't understand it from a female aspect because it's not growing inside me. But I can understand it from my perspective because it's had... I thankfully haven't, but for those people that have to go through these things of of having miscarriages and experiencing this, it would tear my soul, soul in two. And I can't even begin to fathom what it does to a woman because it's brutal. It, You're forever changed. And 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 I'm incredibly thankful that I didn't have to, but I feel so my heart goes out to those women. And to those men that have had to go through those experiences, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe unfortunately a few times, and that that oh man, uh, that you were able to I don't even say find grace, but you were able to find the strength to continue, and that your miracles and that your blessings came to you in ways that that cannot even be comprehended, and so. Yeah, I've been I've been quiet over here because again, it, it, for me, it's a lot because I I, I I can't I can empathize with you, but I, I don't know the feelings that you you and your ex husband went through through this process, and so for me, it's 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 a completely different thing. 
I love being a father. Being a father is the greatest gift that I, that could ever happen in my world. And I'm so thankful for that. And for those people that are trying and that have to go through miscarriage or go through several miscarriages, I just, my, again, my heart hurts, but I'm hoping that your miracle or your blessing happens in the end, you know, it just, yeah. It's a huge, huge strain on the relationship. It doesn't matter how healthy the relationship, it's a hard hit. It's a hard emotional hit and um, it takes two to make a baby and it's, it takes two out. Literally, it's a really hard strain on a marriage and it's, it's so hard to go from that high of walking in and excitement or telling your family or telling the future grandparents that they're finally going to be grandparents. I mean, there's so many levels to this emotionally and then for women physically and mentally as well. But to go from this excitement and this energy of, oh my gosh, we're forever changed and this is our next phase and we got blessed and here we go to, nope, no, you get that taken away from you. It's gone. And you're like, it's, it's wild. It's emotional whiplash to say the least. And it does take a big strain on a relationship. Now, one thing, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's pretty, pretty wild, but I, I alluded to it in the beginning here, but in my story, you know, so it doesn't end there, you guys. Now we have to get in the car and, and now I have to go pick up Bentley from preschool. And remember that burrito Instagram pic to announce our new baby burrito? Well, that's not happening. And now that burrito doesn't sound so dang good. And now I know inside me, as I'm getting in this car, as I'm going to go pick up my first from preschool, I'm, I have nine, nine is still with me, but not with me. And I feel like nine is with me, but nine is not with me. And then I call to get the appointment because nine is too big. Nine's not going to come out on its own. So now I have to call and I have to schedule basically a DNC and I have to answer the questions of, no, it's not alive. No, this is a medical procedure because I have miscarried. Here's the ultrasound report. Here's what's going on. And it's, it lacks a human level of compassion of significance for the magnitude that it is because it's very medical, understandably so. But again, not understandably so when you're in it. And you have the outlook I do on the, again, the magnitude of and magic of what women are capable of doing with men to make this life. It's insane. It's out of this world, literally. Um, and then I get told that the soonest they can get me into the EOR for this appointment is two weeks. But I can go on a wait list. So now I have to have nine with me when I'm going to Trader Joe's cleaning my house, running my business meeting, talking to clients. And I feel pregnant, but I'm not. And I have to go through my day normal when I'm literally being broken. My spirit is being totally broken. And I'm looking at the mirror at myself when I get up. I'm looking at the mirror when I'm getting dressed. My pants don't fit right, but yet why am I pulling out my maternity clothes? I don't actually need them. 
but I can't wear my non-maternity clothes. What am I doing? And I'm thinking about this, this, that position. I know what my nine looks like. I just saw nine. I know where it's at. I know how it's sleeping in me. I know where it's resting. I'm basically, it's gravesite. It's insane. So when I said it's barbaric, that's what I was alluding to. So even now, for more food for thought, when you see women walking around, imagine if you were looking at me that day in Trader Joe's and I looked emotionally distraught. (laughs) I don't even know the conversations. I should go back and look at my week's schedule and what I had to do that week. I'm sure I'd be like, how did I do that? I mean, or two weeks. How did I do that for two weeks? Yeah, the wait list never opened up. I had to wait the full time. Um, and then checking in for that. Oh my gosh, that was like the worst day. I, I, it was the weirdest thing. I couldn't wait to get there to have relief. But at the same time, it felt so um, final in the worst way. It was like the worst. I, I knew I, I needed to happen for mental peace. But at the same time, it was final closure that I, I, I didn't want to do. I never wanted, no one ever wants that, right? No one gets pregnant to not be pregnant. I mean, it's insanity, right? That's just illogical. And why be a masochist at that deep level? And then you get checked in and you go into the OR and it's just so, um, it was awful. Like, it's just awful. And then what do you do? You know, like, what do you do from there? How do you, how do you have peace? How do you have closure? I, I will tell you, if you are listening to this and you've yet yet been in that phase of parenthood, if I could give one piece of advice, because this is, I don't have any, I, I can tell you the regrets I have in my life. And one of the regrets, I mean, if anyone follows me on social media, we have a lot of animals. We love animals, but we have chickens and chickens don't live very long, but we literally bury every chicken we have and do a painted rock. I literally have a chicken graveyard, like pet cemetery in the front of my house. Okay. I regret that when this baby was removed, however it needed to be done and we don't need to get caught up in that and don't go down that rabbit hole. It's not worth it. And you don't need to know. I should have had that baby and I should have had my closure with that baby and not just been rolled out of the OR and left with my husband to go back to our life. I, I should have had my closure. If I'm burying my chickens, why would I not bury that baby? Nine, nine, you know, baby nine. And I, I regret that very deeply. And if I could give anybody um, my two cents there, or if you know somebody, recommend to them that they maybe consider, and if they don't believe in burials, maybe just cremation of that, whatever is there. But there's a cathartic closure to that that is real. Because if we had a child and it died, would you not bury or cremate or have that time of grief that was accepted by everyone in this world as acceptable for loss. But yet here in this situation, you just go back to Trader Joe's in your normal life. I deeply, deeply regret that one thing. And I, um, if I can share one thing, it's don't do that. If you would find closure and peace in that closure of doing that a ritual, for loss. 
And the other thing is just know, truly, these souls will find you and they will come to you and they know what they're getting themselves into. And for as long as we get to pretend to think we have our children, even if they do hit the ground running, I have three now, okay? We don't actually ever have them. (laughs) We don't control them. They're not really ours to keep. They live their own life with their own destiny. And God willing and God bless all of us that we go before them, but sometimes that's not the case. And just know that they know what they're getting themselves into as we all do before we get here. And everything happens for a reason. And if they're meant to come to you, they will find a way to get to you. And it just might not be the way you would ideally want it. But on that, I want to say from my heart, I love you all. And if you're listening to this and this resonates with you, I, I deeply love you and I'm sending you all my love and I see you and I understand you and you're not alone. And this is a thing. And, um, yeah, heavy, heavy, this episode. Yeah. But you know what? It has been incredibly heavy. I've been a hot mess over here. Thank God that you've been taking the reins for majority of it. Um, but it's something that needed to be discussed. And I think that when you make something like this real, when you make something like this and you bring it to the forefront, it needs to be talked about. It happens, unfortunately, and people go through it uh, and it sucks, but bringing awareness to it and allowing people to, I don't want to say talk about it, but grief, grieve in their own special way or however they need to do it. It it just needs to be, it needs to be an option. It needs to be an option and And uh, be okay and accepted or understood. But no, no pod, no pod. Here's the funny thing, but no podcast is going to be like, Hey, let's have an episode about miscarriages. Except mine. (laughs) Except Except me. Except Alice with an ownership. It needs to be done. Yeah, if, correct. If I, could, if I could fire the phone lines up and say, call in right now and say... But we wouldn't be able to handle the volume. It, we, we, we wouldn't. And the thing That's is... That's what that, happened last night, Jay. That's why I went rogue and I said, we have to do but this. But there needs to be an outlet. There need, I'm, I'm getting pissed almost with the point. There needs to be an outlet for people to go, this is what I've experienced and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Cry. It's, I got you. It's fucking okay. And you know what? It sucks and it it's hurts awful. and it's horrible, but it's okay. It's okay. One in three. It's okay. And you, you, you need a hug. You need you need whatever. It's okay. Okay, I need to stop. I'm on with my shit right now. I know. It's awful. It's hard. But um, <sighs> again, I'm just called to say I love you. I love you all. I love, I, I love, I really do love women. I really do. We are so magical and we are so powerful and we, we take it on and we do it. And we have done it and we do it and we make it all happen despite what is going on internally in us emotionally. But I see you, I hear you, I love you. And with that, I know everyone deep breath. Let's let it go. (sighs) Let it air, let it go. It's okay. We can do hard things guys. And with that, actually, I challenge you like I always do after every podcast episode and in the book and in my coaching practice, until you hear me again or we speak and connect, what is one thing you can do to take ownership over your life? 
If you liked today's episode, be sure to subscribe, share, and like. Don't forget to join our community by connecting with ownership at take-ownership.com. You can buy the book, become a show supporter, join our monthly soul boardroom, and engage in free strategy coaching sessions with Allison. You can find all of this and more at take-ownership.com.